0: ideas inspiration innovation this is the game changer and now here's your host chickie fitzgerald
1: Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. We have a topic today that I think is going to resonate with everyone, because at some point in our lives, we are all selling something whether it's in our personal lives of trying to get kids to do what they need to do, uh, sometimes getting our spouses to go along with our ideas. But uh, the most important, of course, is in our businesses. And our guest today uh, has a very, very interesting background. I'm going to let him tell you about that. We're going to touch a little bit on a book that he actually wrote a decade ago, and it was called Be, Do. Sale: How to create more sales right now, regardless of what the competition or the economy is doing, using the Guru's selling system. And Eric Lures, who is with us today, actually is somewhat of a guru in this particular field. Eric, welcome.
0: Thank you, Chickie. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, it is great to have you. And Eric, I always like to have our guests give their backstory, uh, whatever you think is relevant to the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Some, Some people go all the way back to childhood and others just talk about professional life. So I'm going to just turn it over to you to introduce yourself to our listeners
0: um sure sure well i could go back to childhood but that would take far more time than we have uh i think what's most germane is um i mean i'll, I'll rattle off the the, the quick uh, biography i spent 10 years in corporate america started as a mailroom clerk worked my way up to um a director after that i went out became a management consultant for several years got tired of being on the road so i started um <clears throat> several home-based businesses and some did well, some didn't, and ended up being a business coach. And at that point in time, I um, became very interested in personal development. And uh, that's when I discovered neurolinguistic programming and cognitive behavioral science. Ah. Um, I became fascinated with the subconscious. Uh, you know, anybody who, who gets into personal development is, because at some point, you're kind of like, there's things about my my life, my whatever that I want to change. And some stuff is easy to change and some stuff I keep doing no matter, no matter what. So I want to see why the subconscious makes me do it. So that's why I studied NLP. Uh, And from that I developed uh, the guru selling system, which I then wrote the book we do sale about um, which was uh, a system designed to help salespeople um, better leverage their subconscious mind so they could sell more. And from that, I then advanced on and uh, I came across Peter Drucker's quote um, about uh, the aim of marketing is to make sales superfluous. And I said, hmm, that's <laughs> pretty interesting, right? You know, Dr- Drucker knows his stuff. Okay. Right, right. So I said, you know, let's, let's see how that works in action. So I went to study marketing um, and I zeroed in on, on the lead generation part of marketing. Because I said, you know, if you take everything else away, it's kind of window dressing. This is really the only important part of marketing, um, you know, is is getting people into pipelines. Yes. So I studied lead generation. And what I became fascinated with was that most of the messages and processes that people were using to create um, their lead gen messages were all conscious mind based they were all logical reasons for why you should go here do this by that but from NLP what I had learned and other all the other stuff that I had learned was that humans function about 99 percent subconsciously and only 1 consciously and really the conscious mind has you know it's in control for very small periods of time throughout the day so I said you know you're kind of talking to you're kind of talking to the one part of the brain that doesn't have any control and really doesn't control the purse strings, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so then I went, you know, and I advanced and I developed a, a system called subconsciously generation. And I started working with clients on that, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> and people started loving that stuff. And then, uh, you know, I follow Bruce Lee, you know, that my nickname is the Bruce Lee of revenue generation. So I, I and it's because I, I, I kind of follow how Bruce did things. He was always advancing, advancing, advancing his systems. And so, I, came, you know, I, I thought, okay, well, Drucker thought that the idea that, that marketing was to make sales superfluous, but what would happen if we made marketing superfluous? So <laughs> I said, well, okay, we got to find what, if, if marketing comes before sales, what comes before marketing? And that's when I got turned on to the topic of positioning. So I went out and I wanted to study positioning. I read the book by Trout and Reese, and it was okay, but it was all kind of more like war stories than, than really useful learnings. So I had to end up teaching most of it to myself. I developed uh, at that point in time, again, a new system called peerless positioning. Which was uh, taking positioning and breaking it down into 10 elements so I could help my clients do that. So I could help them position themselves and then help them right. design subconscious legion, and then feed them into selling. And it's, it's like going on and on and on. And after that, you know, I, I've kind of advanced, advanced on to other constructs about what I called like one of a kind strategy, which was, you know, making businesses one of a kind. Because if you make them one of a kind, the positioning them is easy and it makes the subconscious lead gen easier, which makes the sales easier. So I'm always looking for that next level to create better and better leverage. So I think, you know, um, that's really where, you know, what my whole thing has been about is how to better leverage the generation of revenue for right. companies in, in all well, these various
1: I ways. I love that, Eric. And yeah. and I'll tell you, uh, I've just been having a, uh, a rather uh, involved discussion with my advisory board, mm. uh, you know, who uh, are stuck on the topic of, well, what pain point do you solve? And I said, well, what if we're not selling painkillers and we're selling uh, vitamins, right? Mm -hmm. And if painkillers are the only thing that will sell, then how in the world are Walgreens and CVS operating, right? Because there are many things in the store other than a row full of painkillers, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, what I am really curious about, and going back to the book that you wrote a decade ago. Uh Uh, I think it would be really interesting to hear how things have changed. Uh, I have my own observations and I would love to know if if they're similar. So becoming a guru salesperson, you outlined, and we'll fast forward through through mm-hmm. the first book, but you outlined it being, uh, you know, that you've got to begin and you've got to be aware of what's going on around you, the challenges. You've got to be genuine, which, you know, again, that, that is even more important now than ever, right? Mm-hmm. And the the fourth one in that section is a bit surprising, and that is be unmotivated. So why don't you just give us a thumbnail about that, and what has changed about becoming a guru salesperson? What would you add or subtract from that list?
0: Well, those are two big diverse questions. So um, <laughs> unmotivated. So the construct of, of being unmotivated was that there's this idea with sales teams. Um, that I, and and you hear this a lot, like figuring out sales comp and everything else like that. There's this idea that I can put together a set of tangible thingies, be it money or travel or whatever, that will motivate salespeople to go to the ends of the earth to, to make sales for me. Um, And you will find very few people who, few if any people who are, well, I shouldn't say that. There are some people who will be purely driven by money.
1: Uh Uh,
0: But these are the people that you're also going to have the hardest time with because they tend to be, unfortunately, they tend to be the most shallow of your salespeople. Um, And these are the ones who will tend to have the most yeah, they'll, they'll tend to be the ones that are like the alcoholics or the drug right. addicts <laughs> because they have so many emotional <laughs> issues. Because if you're to be driven by purely by money, you right. have no you have no depth to you. Right, uh, right. And, and you say, well, you know, but these are the top guys, you know, ah, they're the they're my <laughs> top dogs. and like, okay, yeah, but they're. But, you know, Friday at 5, at 515, he's across the street, half plowed already. Right. Um, You know, so is that the, you know, is that the best thing? So um, what you really want is, is you don't want motivation. You don't want this external thing. You don't want to hire people that you think you can whip like dogs. If I hit them with the right strap at the right time, they're going to bark the right way. You really want inspiration. You want inter- you want mm. the internal drive of people, and this is really something that has um it's interesting in the past decade <clears throat> it has come a lot more to the fore, especially within you're in the tech world, so you see a lot of this um, really now tech companies but but more more of these younger companies modern companies they're looking for people who are excited to be a part of the company um, and that's really about and and this is about inspiration is about are you personally attached emotionally attached really in love with the idea of the product or service that or you know that your company mm-hmm. sells or are you there to make a paycheck and the pe- the companies that seem to do the best today <clears throat> that become these Fastest growing, best workplaces, kind of places are the ones who focus on hiring along with this idea of inspiration, about being able to weed out people who are here because we're big and because we're wonderful and because everybody loves us. And they're here because they love what we do as much as we do, hell, maybe more. <laughs> um, and that's the, the same thing with salespeople. You want your salespeople to love what you do because you have these, you know, I used to talk to sales guys and they were like, yeah, you know, I, I sold cars and I sold vacuums and I sold computers. I sold jet engines. I sold women's lingerie. I could sell anything to anybody. And these were the guys again at five fifteen on a Friday were half plowed at the, at the bar across the street right, because, right. because they became these empty shells that huckstered anything and You can't, you can't depend on them. They're going to burn out. And more importantly, you know, beyond being able to, even if they create a lot of sales, you're probably not going to have, they're probably not going to have the happiest customers because these are going to be the guys who are able to strong arm people, manipulate people and all that kind of stuff. And they're not going to have that staying power. You really want those inspired people in your organization.
1: Well, that that is actually a fascinating discussion, and we'll we'll come back to my other question. Sure. But but this is uh, something that I've discussed with our our chairman, uh, and I'm I'm very very fortunate to uh, you know as a tech founder and CEO, uh, who is very product oriented, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. the product inventor, right? And uh, when when we were standing in line to get the gifts, right, Uh, God uh, was handing out the sales gifts in another line, right, Mm -hmm. I was busy in whatever line I was in, right, so I I didn't necessarily get those gifts, but I've got a chairman of the board who is a sales guy, and so Mm -hmm. whenever I have any questions, right, I can call him up and, you know, hey, Peter, should we have a cap, on our commissions, right? And he's like, absolutely not. Let them make as much money as they want, right? Mm-hmm. But the perspective that you just shared with me, I, I think is really fascinating because it's easy to think that you want to hire the guy who can sell, you know, red popsicles to the women in white gloves, right? right. Uh, and, and I can see now why that is not a great strategy. My other question to him has always been, can I moat? motivate salespeople with ownership in the company, right? Are those two things congruous, right? Is the sales mentality one that would value long-term helping to be a part of something? So my question comes back to that first question of, so 10 years ago, you know, you outlined how do I become a guru salesperson? What has changed? And do you think that Uh, particularly as we get into looking at hiring younger generations, right? I I happen to be in my 60s and, you know, I'm looking at how do we attract, you know, 30 and 40 year olds, you know, who really want to be a part of something, right? And whether that's equity or whether it's great pay or, you know, whatever the mix of that is. So what has changed in 10 years about really making someone into a great salesperson?
0: Wow. Okay. Because my brain went in five different directions <laughs> during that well, question. You so I'm can, like, all right, you
1: can, you can go in all of them, mm-hmm. Eric. I, I will uh, I will pace myself according to what you want to talk about.
0: Um, maybe this will answer, Maybe this one will kind of answer all of it. Um, so, so the main question being, how do I get the people that are best for the company into the company? Hmm. Um. And I'm going to say that because, because what happens is that we look at our current resources and we say, well, how do I attract somebody with what I've got right now in my box? You know, I've got X amount of Lego pieces in here and right. somehow I have to divvy these Lego pieces up enough to make everybody happy. Um, <clears throat> but if you look at people now, especially younger people... Um, and, and I know a lot of a lot of folks look at these younger folks and they're like, oh my God, you know, the, the idea that they they're, they're going to try and go out and build a Fortune 500 company, and you know, they should go and do, you know, go through the the paces and the, and, and pay their dues and wait till the. And yet you've got these people who are like 22 starting billion dollar companies. Like, Where are these guys? <laughs> right. Oh, right. 20 years ago, these guys who didn't exist. And now you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> they come out of school today, whatever. So it, let's look at that because what's happening is that you say, you know what, these young kids, they want to create stuff. So if we look at our current amount of Lego and we say, I'm going to try to figure out how to get them excited about taking a piece of this Lego. What if the real question is, how do I get them excited about adding onto this piece of Lego? What do they want to create? If they, if, what do they see in my company that I don't? Right. You know, when they come here, have I, you know, instead of me trying to say, you know, pigeonhole them into the box that I've created that in my mind of what this company is, what if I said to them, what would you do? What would you add? Who would you, you know, what would you want this business to become? And all of a sudden I'm offering them the chance. So I don't have to give them equity. If my company is worth $2 million and I'm trying to think about how much equity should I give this kid or this person, you know, to, to join us. And I say, okay, well, we're whatever. We're at 2 million now. What if I offer them 10% of, of everything that they add on? right now all of a sudden you can't you're going to get so you know help me create a new division what are we going to do you know you get 10 you percent of it you know whatever and and I, so you get my support to create it you know right. you know so you're going to help build what i've got now you're going to help expand that but then i'm going to help expand what you've got and boom 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 how do we create synergy because that's really the the future of business i mean <clears throat> right so, so companies- we're
1: redefining sales as we go right right You're redefining everything.
0: You're redefining business. Because if you look now, what's happening with all the older companies? They're trying to merge, 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 merge. So they can become one big cell phone company so that you have zero choice of anybody else. Right? (laughs) Right. This idea, you know, now we're just going to become this monolith that nobody else can compete with we're going to eliminate all the competition and yet the younger people they think completely differently they're like how do we avoid competition and just expand organically into the into the areas that aren't being served and it's two completely different ways of focusing so that's i think your your better way to get the younger people on board
1: well that's fascinating so uh in, in your uh, book from 10 years ago, you did talk about lead gen, right? You mm-hmm. talked about being a creator. Uh, then you introduced the concept of actually being a divider, right? Which, mm-hmm. which uh, is, is a fascinating concept. But you did say that uh, over the course of, of the last decade, you have really spent a lot of time thinking about really, and, and I, I find the concept of backing up, right, from sales to marketing, right? And looking at lead gen within that. And that whole process just sounds fascinating to me. So from what you talked about a decade ago about lead generation, we are clearly at a very, very different place. I mean, we've got software products that, you know, allow you to go from LinkedIn over to a system that looks up phone numbers and addresses. And, you know, with one button, you can put them right into your CRM, right? 10 years ago, you couldn't do that. It was a Mm -hmm. very laborious process. Um, Now I can create more leads than I could possibly uh, go after. Right. Right. Um, so leads aren't really the problem, and and I I don't know if you probably get these same outreaches over LinkedIn. I probably get four or five uh, companies a week trying to get me to use their lead gen services, and mm-hmm. my my response is always the same. I don't need leads. I need closed sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Come back to me when you can offer me that. Right. So how has it changed, Eric?
0: God. Um. Well. Some things have changed and something, but it's interesting, it's come kind of full circle. So as you pointed out, right now, there is all of this technology that has enhanced your ability to pack your pipeline with what we'll call leads. Um, my, my definition of lead was always somebody who was actually interested in, in everything. Um, but most people, when they say lead, they think of just a name, you know, th- there's a name on a list that we may have contacted or, or going to contact or something. And that's a a name. I just think of those as databases really. Right. Um, but now what we have is because is this proliferation of digital marketing agencies. So you used to have in-house marketing was the majority. And then you had some marketing companies but with the proliferation of what you can do on Google, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, um, everybody and their brother ha- is opening these digital marketing agencies. That's where you're getting, and, and a digital marketing agency can be a college kid who's just doing this work between classes all the way up to right. you know, some guy who's, who has you know, 10 different offices in, in different countries and 120 employees. And they're working with, you know, large scale corporations, you know, outsourcing marketing because a lot of companies now are starting to outsource their marketing. So it's, it's a very fluid thing, but what it comes down to is this digital marketing construct. It's either in-house or, or, or agency. Um, the challenge. And so two years, I should say two, three, four years ago, maybe. The big talk was data, right? It was like, well, data's going to solve everything. data's going to tell us, Who to talk to, when to talk to them, what to say to them, what platform to use, how to reach out to them. Da 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 da. It's going to think for us, and it did work, and it still works. I mean, it works tremendously. Um, And it was supposed to be the thing that was going to level the playing field, is, and that's exactly what it did. That's what's wonderful about it. That's also what sucks about it. Yeah. um, Is because now everybody has access to the same data, analytics, metrics, platforms, sequences, message patterns, data, data, da, da, da. They all have, you can, <clears throat> you're a fortune 100 company or you're a, you're a, a guy just starting out, you know, in his garage, you have access to the same things if you're using agencies or using, you know, the, the same, the, the same right. material. Um, and so we've kind of come full circle to the new numbers game, but the new numbers game is now instead of how many times can, how many, Calls can you make a day? It's how much money can you spend on buying clients? Because you're you are competing against everybody else in your industry. That's you know your competitors that's buying the same trying to buy the same eyeballs on the same platforms. Right. So <clears throat> even though everybody says this is great and wonderful, and and it is for it is if you have the money you know to do this up front, but. Bigger companies have more money. They start, you know, out buying everybody. Um, And and competition gets more and more fierce. And and conversely, you have more and more companies coming into your space, trying to copy you and everybody's trying to, you know, cut off more pieces of the same pie for themselves. This is why I look at positioning. um, And this is why I really focused on it uh, because you want to be able to go out there and, and not just be different, you know, you can, if there's 10 rugby guys in the middle of a field and one of them's wearing a white shirt and everybody else is wearing green shirts, you're still all rugby players. <laughs> right. um, it doesn't matter, you know, it's like, oh, but we're, you know, uh, we're all in this, but I'm the different guy. No, you're not, you're, you're still a rugby player. So this idea of positioning is taking yourself away from competition. What is, what is the core mission and vision and drive that you have <clears throat> and being able to articulate this takes you away into your own space. I I call it creating new real estate in the mind of the market. And as I say, that piece of real estate, because right now everybody else is packed onto maybe a giant piece of real estate, and that's the piece of real estate that your market thinks about. But there's 150 competitors all in that piece of real estate. You create a new piece of real estate, even if it's a tiny piece of real estate, if you own it, that's it. You're the king or queen of that piece of real estate. You are top of mind for that piece of real estate. You have this different position, this different way of looking at things, this different way of talking about things, this different division, you know, and you have, you know, and that's where your brand comes in and everything else like that. And, and right. that's what really works in today's marketplace. So lead gen, you know, if we look at the Static version of lead gen, which is just, you know, again, marketing, you know, buying, buying ads, buying this, buying that. That's one thing. But if we look at lead gen from an organic thing, from a a compulsory thing, from a a, a compulsion, you know, from from compelling people to us, that's where really your brand, brand meaning, brand communication and brand expression really come from. Um, And that's the value of that. So I think now in today's market, brand has become a very powerful thing. You know, there was always brands; it was Coca-Cola and stuff, but people didn't realize it up until recently the power of brands. So I think now you probably have this sort of competition between the mechanical, digital stuff and the brand stuff. And when you can interconnect those two, then you've got a real powerhouse. But there's a lot less of that. There's a lot of companies out there that are like, we're a known brand. Like, you know, you're not a known brand. You're a a name that (laughs) brought yourself into – but that's not a brand. That's a different – Exactly. Well, and I was
1: just having that conversation uh, with the investor I was talking to this Mm -hmm. morning because I was saying (laughs) – you know, I, I happen to be in the travel technology space. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, what we're competing against are the existing brands. And uh, the two major brands in our industry are Expedia and Booking.com. Mm-hmm. And they are like Procter & Gamble in that the next 20 brands on the list belong to one or the other of them, right? right. And and together, they spend ten billion dollars a year on brand spending alone. And it's like, are you kidding me? I don't want to be in that business. I would much rather create the new piece of real estate, right? That while much smaller, potentially, uh, you know, you don't have all that noise, Mm -hmm. right? That's a lot. 10 billion is a lot of marketing noise.
0: It, 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 it's a cacophony. <laughs> yes. that's <laughs> a lot of marketing noise. Yes,
1: it is. So, uh, let let's just circle back and and try to bring all of this home. So uh, again, 10 years ago y- you were focusing on all of the traditional things. So, you know, you get the leads, how do you convert the leads into clients? Once you got the clients, how do you create more sales from them? You know, getting them to be uh, you know, your your voice uh forming a cult and, you know, getting them to, to uh, sell the Kool-Aid to others, right? Mm-hmm. So, so now we're in this new world where as you have aptly pointed out, uh, there really has been a leveling of the play- playing field. However, I would also say, I have never seen it be so difficult for someone to actually pick up the phone and talk to you or for people to actually respond to a legitimate email outreach that wasn't generated by a computer. Mm. Um, I am amazed at how many people completely ignore the phone and email now because, and and even LinkedIn messages, right? Because there is so much marketing automation at play and, you know, doing these timed follow-ups with just the right wording, right? Because if everyone's doing it, all of the sudden that cacophony has, has come into my email box or into my, my LinkedIn uh, messages.
0: So how do we battle that?
1: How do we, how do we, how do we set ourselves apart? And is it indeed in this notion of positioning and branding and setting yourself apart instead of trying to just be louder than the next guy?
0: Well, one of the, So sometimes I'm the bearer of bad news. Actually, I'm the bearer of bad news more often than I like to be uh, because people, part of my job is people constantly contacting me and saying, okay, can you evaluate my company Um, or my business idea or whatever it is? And one of the things I'm always looking at is uh, if this, does this exist already? Um, And if it does, my first question to them is, you know, you're basically doing what all of these other companies are doing. Yeah. And you're doing it the same way. Yeah. And you're going to sell the same thing. Yeah. For the, roughly the same price. Yeah. And utilizing the same modalities. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, because it's a big, you know, it's a $20 billion industry. And, you know, even if we get one tenth of what, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> okay. Because it, it, that's, it's just like moron flag, like pops up right there. I'm like, okay, right, look. Right, right, right. it's a $10 billion industry, right? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So what you want to do is you want to go into an industry that's already highly competitive. Other people are, it's going to take you forever to build, you know, to what? So that you can make some, if you love the industry so much, why don't you just, and you're not going to do anything different, just go work for one of the big guys that's already doing what you respect. Yes. Why does the world need you? And if you can't explain that, then you don't have a business. So the first thing is, <clears throat> if you're having a hard time figuring out how to communicate in a way that isn't you know, the same as everybody else, you have to ask, maybe I am the same as everybody. else. what I call a me-too business, and if you're a me-too business, you probably don't need to exist because you think about it, and you, you, I'm sure you worked for people before you had your own business. Yes. When you work for other people, life's a lot easier right? Because it's like, okay, maybe you don't, you know, you're not, you're not the boss. You're not taking home millions of dollars or whatever, but you come to work. People say, do this. You do this. You're done, you go home. You know, it's like, hey, life's good. You know, I get my paycheck, I get I get I get pay increases and stuff like that. I don't have to worry about finding customers, I don't have to worry about hiring people, I don't have to worry about you know lawsuits, I don't have to worry about inclement weather or whatever, you know, whatever is going to affect my business. I get my paycheck, come, you know, come hell or high water nine to five. So if if you if you're not offering anything different, you should probably just go back and get a job. Now. If you are offering something vastly different, then you have to get in touch with that internally. And you have to own that. You have to be there. That's a genuine piece. But part of being genuine is is being able to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, As the old expression goes, I'm going to fly my freak flag. You know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show why I'm different. I believe in this enough. I believe in me enough. I believe in my vision enough that I am going to go out there and I want, I'm going to be the trumpeteer of what I do and if you do believe in it and you do have a different vision then you have things to say that will matter you will have your audience you will have the people that are passionate about you you will have people who ignore you and you'll have people who hate you that's why i love my favorite expert or uh, examples howard stern you know is he when he came out you know the entire thing about radio was <clears throat> you play music you don't really talk and then you play commercials and that's pretty much it Right. So what did he do? He stopped playing music. He talked. He talked only about himself. He talked about his bathroom habits—things he, <laughs> he wasn't supposed to—and he broke all of the rules. He did everything he weren't supposed to. And now the guy's worth a billion dollars. Right. And it's and it's it's purely because he was genuine to himself. So there was an industry. Radio existed long before Howard Stern, but he brought something new to it. So if you've got that, then you then you do lead gen that way. And you can then utilize the technologies, the digital and everything else, but right. you're utilizing it to enhance your new position, your unique real estate. If you don't have that, then it's just going to be a hard slog of buying eyeballs.
1: Right. Well, Eric, I'll tell you what, that, that was worth the price of admission because, uh, uh, I, I happen to be in the very fortunate place of creating something very, very different and mm-hmm. not not being a me too. So, uh, you know, quite often on my Friday afternoon interviews, uh, I take away a nugget like that, that, uh, uh, again, is absolutely uh, what I needed to hear today, and, and I am betting that there are other people who are listening to this, whether, uh, you know, soon after we record it, or even years after, because that's the beauty of this particular medium, is is that these shows aren't, uh, you know, they don't get stale, right? This information is timeless, and that, that's what I love about uh, about the work that you have done and that you continue to do, and I am so glad uh, that I came across you. And I, I'm trying to even remember uh, how that happened, but I'm, I'm grateful that it did. Eric, I know we've got people who are listening to you. Uh, and again, this book uh, is 10 years old, but I think that there, there are still some very important foundational pieces that people can get from this. And again, we've been talking about the book, Be, Do, Sale. Uh, and it's how to create more sales right now, regardless of what the competition or the economy is doing using the Guru's selling system. But then, Eric, if people would like to get in touch with you, because I, I know you do uh, consult with uh, companies of all sizes. Uh, I know that you're also in very high demand, so uh, you know, people may not be able to get to you right away. But if they want to reach you to hire you uh, to help their company, how do they go about doing that?
0: Um, Well, you know, just directly connecting with me, uh, usually the easiest thing I point people to, which has the most information, et cetera, on it uh, is LinkedIn. Um, So go on to LinkedIn, just type in my name, E-R-I-K, last name is L-U-H-R-S. Um, I think I'm the only Eric Lures on LinkedIn with that, at least with that spelling. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Uh, you're
1: very fortunate to have an unusual
0: name. Yeah, so. exactly. Right. I'm not. Yeah, me,
1: me too. Chicky. Chicky is a little bit like. Exactly. Bear, right. <laughs> Bear or Prince. I don't really even need the last name. <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, just go on LinkedIn uh, and just connect up with me there. And, and uh, you know, from that and from there, they can find all my other contact information
1: fabulous. Well, Eric, uh, again, thank you so much for taking your time on a Friday afternoon.
0: Well, Thank you so much, Shiki.
1: All right, Eric, thanks so much. And thanks for listening today. And we will talk to you next week.
0: You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chicky Fitzgerald. Like what you just heard, visit C sweetradio.com. C Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.